Hello, you're listening to Music is a Dead Scene, the podcast that's not a businessman, it's a business man. Did you get that one? I got that one. But other than that, we talk about everything else to do with music, and who better to do that with than my co-host Cameron. Hello. How are you today? I am well. And what will today's episode be covering? Sampling is what, and more specifically, the best mashup album ever? Mm. 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 we'll find out before that i wanted to remind you to submit your questions to music is a dead scene at gmail.com we'll be going through some at the end of the show we would love to have yours featured on the next episode so cameron what have you been up to what's been happening in the life of cameron well as we know um i hate all the music i've ever heard yeah Um, that was a recent discovery of yours wasn't it yeah i just was sick of it so Mm -hmm. i have been listening to a lot of jazz Ah, yep. jazz. Yeah, not anything in particular. Why did Don't you ask me for specifics? Oh, that's fine. Why did you? Why did you choose jazz of all genres? Is it just because it's one you're not familiar with? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And I think a lot of other music comes from jazz anyway. A yeah. lot of music I like, instrumental, math, rocky type stuff. So you're Very going jazzy. Back you know? to the roots. Okay. So yeah, uh, yeah, the roots. They are a band I've listened to. That thing. <laughs> um, they're not jazz, are they? Yeah, they're like jazz funk. Yeah, poppy. Thought, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. What about you? What are you doing? Oh, in the world of music, I found this really great song. It's a contender for like gonna be in my end of the year. Already? Well, it came out last year, so it can't it's not like best of twenty twenty four. Right. But I missed it from last year. Mm. It's a band called Frog. You ever heard of a band called Frog? No. Neither had I. You like animal bands, don't you? Geese, swans. Geese. Well they're very they're they're very similar to Giraffes, geese. Giraffes, giraffes. I don't mind giraffes. Three trap tigers. Three trap tigers, like tigers, tigers, tigers are great. You like turbo wolf, dinosaur pileup, yeah, dinosaur pileup, and now frog. Frog. Yeah. Yep. Well, to be fair, I only like the one song from Frog. Oh, okay. There's this one song on their album, Grog. <laughs> All right. Grog by Frog. <laughs> Called Black on Black on Black. Okay. Which is excellent. Yeah. It's, and have you delved into their other stuff and you don't like it? I I don't mind it as much, but right. it's the, this is kind of like an outlier. It's almost like they're from New York, right? But they do mm. almost like country music oh, yeah. it's like alternative countries the alternative okay. country boom that's happening at the minute can't yeah everyone knows about it so they i guess they're similar to geese in that respect because geese are kind of i guess you could label country them adjacent alternative country yeah so a lot of their stuff is yeah country twinged but this has got like an almost disco feel to it Ooh. it's and it's they've recorded it on this old i don't know hardware i can tell you the exact recorder but it sounds old retro as right, well okay. which is cool which gives it that vibe it's got this amazing chorus he it might turn a few people off because he's doing very falsetto vocals mm. and he's like sustaining it as well so it's oh, like, okay yeah like that okay that was a terrible impression it's much better on the recording i'm sure yeah but it, it does this cool thing in the chorus where there's these chords and it goes um oh it's it's the, it's the, the thing in that radiohead song it's like a clave rhythm okay you know where it's like dig 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 yeah. dig dig which might not mean much to many people but it's a it's an odd rhythm right where it's like one two three four five one two three it's like a strange gap yeah and it's quite hard to wrap well it's hard to wrap your head around at first you're like oh this is odd but then halfway through the course the drummer switches it up and just starts playing four on the floor oh they just straight yeah and to 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 kind of contrast that rhythm and it just ah hits me yeah. every single time it just like scratches that little itch where you're just mm. like oh give me the, the give straight me, give beat. something different yeah and then it's like <clears throat> and it's that's great cool. nice so that's what i've been listening to pretty much on repeat I like it. and have you dared to hit the song radio well cameron you'll be proud of me because i actually don't do that 
I actually found this band by going into my um, Discover Weekly playlist for the first time in about five years. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So the next step will be, I like that song, and then go to the radio and let them pick a whole bunch of other ones. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really... It feels like a little bit too... That's too soon for you, but you control. may get there. You may get yeah. there. But that's good. Yeah, I like it. Well, should we get into today's topic? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, because I wrote 15 pages of notes. Yeah, I read a lot of them. It was good. Cool. I enjoyed them. So we've got a, we've got a little bit to get through. But there's a lot to talk about. So we have actually previously talked about sampling, haven't we? Yeah, episode four, I believe. Way, way, way back in episode four. What episode are we on now? 26. 26. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive. First episode of Batch 4. That's fun, though. Hey, I know. Hey, guys. Hooray. Welcome back to Batch 4. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for <laughs> coming back. Or if you've just joined us. Hello. What did we do on episode four? What was the kind of gist back then? We didn't then? really go into too many specifics. Oh, yeah, we, we what talked about... What was the about, episode in general? I mean? It was sampling, and then we, we focused more specifically on um, copyright lawsuits. That's what it was. Plagiarism, yes. that was yeah, what it was. that's what it was. Um, so I thought Which today, sampling is not, no, usually. It's not. So, no. Yeah. So I thought we could look back today at a different part of sampling, a particular phenomenon of the sampling boom of the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's mashup albums. Yes, there's a few of those. I was going to say, are you familiar with? Because I'd heard of a few of them. Yeah, just in kind of name of the album, but I didn't right. really get the concept, and I didn't realize it was as big a no. I didn't a thing. I didn't. No. no. I, the only one I was aware of is the one that you wrote notes about, which was the Collision Course EP. Yes, which was Jay Z and Linkin Park. Which I think for for people like us who are rock fans as teenagers, yeah, that was pretty unavoidable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was weird. It was, it was my, actually my dad that introduced me to it. Oh, did he? Yeah, he had it just on his phone or whatever. Um, so whenever he was playing music, sometimes it would come on. And if it was just me in the car, he would keep it on. If it was me and my little sister, he would switch it off. Because yeah, we were quite young at that time. Bad language, yes. So there's just some sweary words. <laughs> and you're not that much older than your sister, so that's quite funny. Yeah, I know. I don't know, what the, I don't know, where, I don't know where the line was. I think, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so the, the concept is basically when some enterprising individuals sample two different songs or albums and create a new composition so they'll usually take the uh, instrumental of one mm-hmm. and the vocals of another yeah and then slap them together look at that you got a new That's thing it. new thing the biggest one of all time in terms of commercial success is collision course yeah do you did you know of any others before today because i did it i don't know i don't think so no probably not no that it was only that one really that yeah. made the a big splash two very big names though Jay-Z and Lincoln Mark. Exactly. So. Jay-Z's pretty popular in the mashup scene. Yeah. I also feel like hip-hop in general is, is is just all about sampling and all about that kind of stuff. So that makes sense mm-hmm. to me. And there's also the... It's probably easier to take hip-hop vocals and put them on something else because yeah. if you're trying to take vocals, like sung melodies, mm-hmm. they're to a pitch or a chord sequence or, or a, you know, they're in a... Yeah, in they're scale. in context with yes. the other instruments and such. Yeah. So you you would have it's more work, I think, to take sung melodies and try and put them that over a new because you've got way more tonal harm harmony to, yeah. to figure out. Whereas, I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas rap vocals, they are obviously they've they've got pitch to them, but they're mm. not to a note. Yeah. A lot of the time, they're yeah. they're kind of you know. Ah, I never thought about it like that, but that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot easier to just plug them into a, a beat of the same tempo, mm. and it kind of works. But yes, the, the, the mashup album became quite abundant during the 2000s. Um, there's some really like innovative stuff going on. Yeah. I've, I've sampled a little oh, bit really. of each. But you can thing. get weird with that, though, because you yeah. are just, you know, taking two things, but it doesn't really matter what two things they are. 
Well, it's it's like you're creating something completely unique. Yeah, I don't know, like yeah. more unique than most bands will ever come up with aye. because they're going off of their influences and they're in their own yeah. genre and stuff like that. You know, so you get that genre fusion of recognizable works. If you take two good things, yeah, put them together, can only be extra good, right? Um. That's how it works. Okay, okay. Right, okay. <laughs> We're on with that for well, now. That's the concept anyway. <laughs> it was pioneered by DJs in the late 80s, this whole genre mashup thing. Obviously, sampling comes around. You're going to just like stick things together and see what happens. Like Daft Punk. Yeah. And they're very good at Yeah, sampling. yeah. They Theirs are a bit more... You, you can't really see the... Yeah. You have to really, yeah, really they, listen. They've kind of buried the lead a little bit. Yeah on their ones but for sure it's yeah. it's kind of what it's all about isn't it there was a there was a spike in popularity of the the mashup album concept in 2001 after dj z trip and dj p's uneasy listening volume one. Ooh, yeah. uneasy uneasy listening and then and then after that there was more kind of splashes in the mainstream i found a list of the 10 best mashup albums of all time on happymagazine.coms you've um that was a good band name you just came up with which one splashes in the mainstream splashes in the mainstream <laughs> Added to the list. So, who have we got on this 10 best mashup albums of all time? You've got Tor with Illinois. They mixed Sufjan Stevens' music from Illinois and a list of other rappers, including Outkast and Aesop Rock. Cool. One of the ones that is my favorite of what I've heard so far, mm-hmm. which is Wugazi, 13 Chambers. Oh, yeah. Which is a mixture of Fugazi and vocals from the various members of the Wu-Tang Clan mm. in the Wu-Tang Clan and their solo projects, Yeah, which is great because I love both of them. Well, that's quite cool because they've taken solo Wu-Tang. Yeah. So you're effectively, you're not only making a new everything, but you're technically making like new Wu-Tang songs. Yeah, exactly. you're just piecing them all together again. So that's quite cool. Yeah. yeah. Kind of got two for one there. I know. That was by Cecil Otter and Swiss Andy. Ooh. Yeah. The Kleptones have an album called Uptime Downtime, which is this massive double album where every song is a mixture of like two or three or I counted up to 14 different <laughs> tracks. Wow. It's quite mind blowing, actually. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a very interesting listen. And then you've got the slightly more gimmicky ones. There was a, an album by Team Teamwork called Ocarina of Rhyme. Ooh. Can you guess what that uh, is? Yeah, I got that. That's good. That's yeah. good. Mixing the soundtrack to the Legend of Zelda game Ocarina of Time. Mm. And rap artists like Outcast, Dr. Dre, MF Doom. There's the American Edit by Dean Gray, as opposed to Green Day. Oh yeah, very good. <laughs> um, which is from producers Party Ben and Team Nine. There's a, there's some great names going on. Yeah. Because um, the thing is these are just stage names or whatever. No, they're just, and, they're just Yeah. Bedroom DJs and yeah, yeah SoundCloud yeah. <laughs> producers there just yeah, yeah. doing it themselves, um, which is a mashup of the Green Day album, yeah, American Idiot, and then other artists. There was Max Tanone, all right, go with Tanone, mm-hmm. uh, with JD O'Head. Oh, very good. Don't need to say any more, do I? Nope, that's a good one. <laughs> and then there was there was one here which was um, by Wait Watts called the Notorious XX. Instrumentals of the band The XX, the XX yeah. you know, I hadn't had completely forgotten about until this came up. They and, do exist, yeah. And and uh, the Notorious B.I.G. and it works really well. I'm sure it does, yeah. Because though the XX are very sort of ambient indie exactly. kind of stuff, so you can really you could probably throw anything over that. Yeah. To go for the Notorious B.I.G. is like a bit out there, to be fair. Yeah. I think uh, I think Biggie gets. He gets sampled a lot. Mm, as as with Jay Z, yeah. Yeah, but there's like a, there's one artist. Uh, is it Matoma? I think. Oh, you've talked about them before, think, haven't yeah. you? I think yeah. they, they, they sample him quite a lot. I mean, he's pretty great. You can see yeah. why you'd want him, yeah. want him on your track. So, I mean, some of those are gimmicky kind of one-offs. Yeah, some of them work very well. Maybe in like an experiment done as a laugh or 
but yeah, you know, some actually do work, and they do make for interesting listens. And then some even started to get like good reviews as well. There's an album by Girl Talk called Feed the Animals, which came out in 2008. Most of those came out in kind of mid to late 2000s. Okay, I did have the dates there. I just didn't read them. But this album that came out, it's like it's actually on Spotify. I didn't oh, yeah. think none of those ones, as far as I can tell, are on Spotify. All right, okay. Just because of you'd have to get all of those tracks approved get them right. on there okay. you'd have to get approval from all of the artists so most of yeah. the time they just kind of end up going online on the internet and just mm. finding a little underground audience but this one is on spotify and it got it got good reviews it's got like an 8.0 in pitchfork as well this album Ooh. i listened to it i didn't think it was that great but but you tend to disagree with pitchfork at the best of times well so. no I, I yeah we have a yeah. weird relationship meaning yeah. pitchfork but um, i wonder you know you were saying they don't go on spotify mm-hmm. if they don't make money on it that's is that all right if they don't make money on it yeah. Does that like, like I quote unquote, like bypass any kind of stuff? At the end of the day, the artist has the definitive right to okay. request you not use their music. Even if they're making money or not. Right. Yeah, I think that's, so. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of like uh, like other stuff. Because you remember, remember that Pal World? Remember that game? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So a guy made like a mod for that mm-hmm. that made the monsters in that game look like the Pokemon that they were yeah, really so, not so based on. For a bit of context, there's a game that came out recently which yeah. which looks heavily influenced by Pokemon. Yeah, so All a, of the a guy, characters look very similar. Aye, so a guy found them and made them look like Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. And that was fine because the mod was free, but he talked about it on his YouTube channel, which is monetized, and that's where they had the problem. He talked about Pokemon on his YouTube no, channel? No, he met, he talked about his mod. Right. Which then made him money on that mod because he was talking about it. Uh, and that's where okay. they had the problem. So if these people release them and put yeah. them out for free mm-hmm. and don't make money on it, you but know, then is you, that okay? But then, yeah, the money aspect definitely changes it a lot yeah. of the time. Because like if you're making money on something off of another person's work, then it's mm-hmm. like, well, hey, oh, hold up a minute, where's, where's my money? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's usually the attitude of lawyers and record labels. It's like, eh, we'll let it go if you're not making money. Mm. But then it's also, you know, even if they weren't making money and the person decided, eh, well, hey, well, that's not cool. That's my thing. Yeah. It's hard because then you get into the whole transformative aspect. Mm. Yeah. It's like, when does it constitute, you know, yeah. you've, you've taken this and you've transformed it. It's, it's the same with like people who've wrote songs that sound the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Previous yeah. episode on yeah, exactly. Check out episode four. Yeah. Where you've just written a melody that sounds very similar mm-hmm. to another one. You know, at what point does it constitute a new yeah. piece? And I think, unfortunately, sampling kind of often gets lumped in with, well, you just nicked it because it's yeah. the actual recording. It's like, well, yeah, but you just use the recording. So, yeah, but can you not hear all of the stuff that I yeah. changed? Aye, I've nicked it. it, pitched it, changed it. You yeah. Know, yeah. Aye. Interesting. Just because you nicked the same four chord sequence that people have been playing since the <laughs> since all the, the 1930s made. Yeah. yeah and you wrote a new melody over it oh that's cool but yeah. if i do this yeah most of them are done without permission okay no one's going to yeah i don't know who well, was an example green day and being like i want to make your album better by yeah. putting a bunch of rappers yeah exactly. yeah um you don't have to like, ask yeah. permission for a parody though which is bizarre that's to me, a weird yeah. loophole in the law isn't yeah. it yeah for a parody yeah. you don't weird al he always asks Ah, oh, well, because he's just a great a guy, guy, isn't he? Yeah. But like, but the, but then this is back in the day before content ID and Shazam, yeah. and well, nowadays companies don't need to wait to like hear about something. Oh, we've mm-hmm. caught wind of this. It's like their music is all uploaded into this database, and 
AI can just search for it and yeah. then issue cease and desist for them totally, like yeah. automatically within 10 minutes of someone uploading something to YouTube and be like, hey, excuse me, that's our, we've detected our it, yeah, which IP. Is ridiculous. So yeah, most of these would just go, go under the radar. Like, like you said, they're, they're, I doubt anybody's making money off of these. No. They're just uploading them for free because it's something fun for them to do. Yeah. It's like right. an exercise and sometimes totally. it works, sometimes it's goofy. Yeah. Um, but none of them made big enough splashes for the record companies to actually get mad. Oh, well, good for them. Until? Until this podcast. Mm. Now everyone's going to go and listen to them. Well, until there was the album that tops every single list I could find on mashup albums. Wow. You Google mashup albums, this is what comes up. This is you there. Danger Mouse's The Grey Album. Ooh. Ooh. We've we like about, Danger Mouse. We, we know Danger Mouse. Oh, yeah. We're good pals. He's the guy that made Red Hot Chili Peppers sound different for once. Oh, that was nice of him. Yes. That was really nice of him. He's uh, he's an American musician and record producer. He's part of uh, Gnarls Barkley, uh, Broken Bells, Danger Doom. He He's produced albums for The Black Keys, Beck, ASAP Rocky, Adele, U2. Crazy. He's a he's a pretty big player. He gets... He gets his name on stuff. He gets his round. Yeah, he's he's a he's a big old player in the industry. Yeah, but this is the album that started it all. Nice. This little mashup album. Technically, I think it's his only solo album. Everything else has been a collaboration. Yeah, like Danger Mouse and someone Danger Mouse. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. His, his groups that he's done. Uh, he did some trip hop albums when he was in college, mm-hmm. but that was under a different name. So it's technically mm-hmm. the only. Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse one, yeah. Album, but I yeah. guess he's got his own releases that he did. Danger Mouse. A little bit of history on some on Danger Mouse before we get to the Grey Album. Yeah, let's get to know him. He um he learned his craft by doing remixes, remix CDs of of Portishead, and even doing some Beatles. Ooh, they might come very up, good. They might come up again. But and then he started doing his first official production work on a collaborative album with Gemini, which was Ghetto Pop Life, which got good reviews. Did all right. That was his first kind of release. Mm-hmm. He would spend hours scouring albums for, for usable bits to sample and um, and learned that that was the, the way that he liked to make beats. It was just like time and effort. Mm-hmm. You just got to put in hours and hours and hours, find all those little tiny bits. Oh, I could use that. Yeah. And that's how he does it. It was around that kind of first album that he, he put out with, with Gemini that, that Jay-Z released the Black Album, his in air quotes, final album at the time. How many did he have before that? Uh, a few, maybe four or five, mm. something like that. And he's released three or four after it. <laughs> so I don't know why he made such a big deal about it being his final album, but you know, would have had to be there to, at the time. To sell it. Well, yeah, that's true. But then everyone gets annoyed when he's like, oh, he's back. Or they oh. get excited because he's like, yeah, he's back. Yeah, he's back. I wonder how many times he's said it. Do you think yeah. he's done it again? It's like it's like Ben Bands going like the final ever tour. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I went to see... Eagles on their farewell tour number two. Yeah. They just run out of money, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. We spent too much money on this tour. We need to go on another one. Yeah. All right. We need to pay off this tour to the next one. Yes. But yes, so Jay-Z released the back al- the Black album. Very, very popular. Yes. He um, he decided to take inspiration from his contemporaries like Naz, who would release acapella versions of mm-hmm. their albums um, to help kind of feed the up-and-coming DJ culture, remix yeah. culture. Very nice of um, That hip-hop genre is inextricably tied to yes everyone in hip-hop started out sampling someone Mm. rapping over it yeah it's only right to give back give back exactly i like that it's quite sweet so it was a it was a very popular move jay-z as we've already seen is one of the most abundant mashed up artists (laughs) it it seemed to work everyone seemed to enjoy it we've got the with the brown album the purple album and the white album which Mm -hmm. are all mashup albums of jay-z the white album sounds like a familiar name though might have already been used for something else 
So Danger Mouse was very eager to get his hands on a copy. Okay. And he, he immediately knew what he wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. Can you still find the acapella version of the Black Album? I don't know because I th it sounds Spotify? like it was like a physical release that he did. It might right, be on okay. Spotify nowadays. The way the way I was reading about it is that Jay Z had to go to a um, like a radio station and ask them for a copy. Like he didn't just oh. he couldn't just buy it. I think he, it was like there were copies given out to producers. I think and, and they would share it oh. among friends. So if we go on the Black Album by Jay Z, yeah, it's on yeah. Spotify nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Ah, there you go. So there's the Black Album and then the Black Album acapella. Nice. Stuck by his word then, mm -hmm. did he? Yeah. And that was released November 2003. Uh, also, you can get American Gangster Acapella as well. Very good. Uh, that was a 2007 album. And then I think that's it. His final album. I think, I think that's... His second final right. album. Um, so I think I, I, I can't see any more acapella ones after that. That's what it's all about though, man. Well, yeah. Got to give so him something see, to sample. Give him back, isn't it? Well, it's also quite... Because when you're sampling something, if you've got the stems, it makes life a whole lot easier. Oh, yeah. What I mean by stems is that um, the individual instruments are kind of separated into into different audio tracks, so that you can mute and do whatever the hell you want. Whereas mm. if you're if you've just got the recording, you're kind of stuck with whatever. If you want to s sample the vocals, you've got whatever's underneath the vocals yeah. as well. Yeah, that's so you hard. end up having to do a lot of production to try and I don't know filter them out or edit around them in such a way. Yeah, and then that whole time you're also changing the vocals too. So yeah, you're maybe exactly. losing what you're after in the vocals by getting rid of, like, sure. as you say, filtering and cutting. There's a lot more AI software, to be fair, these days that helps with that. Software can analyze the track and then recreate the vocal take oh, yeah. okay. without anything underneath. It's right. weird. It's very spooky how it does it, but people well, use it and it works. Taken away from it's how, um, the magic, I know, the art. It's, it's how Drumio does all those videos where they play songs to drummers who have never heard the songs before, but they don't have any drums in the track and they have to make their own track. Have you seen oh, those? yeah, I've seen those, yeah. yeah. But they play like an, a, an AI version of the song which has had the drums removed. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Mm. Weird. Yes, yeah, so uh, Danger Mouse managed to get himself a copy of the acapella version. Okay, good. And he, he locked himself in a room and got to work. So this is from an interview with MTV in 2004. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with the whole project. That's all I was trying to do. Once I got into it, I didn't think about anything but finishing it. Mm. So what was Danger Mouse up to? He was busy combining Jay-Z's vocals from the Black Album and instrumentals from the Beatles' self-titled album, which is referred to as the White Album. Hence we have the Grey uh, Album. I see where it comes from. Hey. Yep. What else? Uh, Danger Mouse also said... A lot of people just assumed I took some Beatles and, you know, threw some Jay-Z on top of it or mixed it up and looped it around. But it's really a deconstruction. It's not an easy thing to do. No. No. So what, what did he do? Firstly, Danger Mouse found the BPM for all of the Jay-Z tracks and then set to work scouring the White Album for every instance of music where vocals weren't in the mix. Okay. So drum hits, cymbals, anything you could use to construct new beats for mm -hmm. the album. Yeah. He completely resisted the urge to use any outside samples of, of clean kicks, snares, etc. to make his life easy. Okay. So it's it's a hundred percent the white album yeah. that are on the back yeah. end of these tracks. There's no kind of sneaky little No. Oh, I'll just take this from an eight oh eight, you know, drum machine. Yeah. And help help beef it out. Which would have been I'm sure he was tempted a oh, few times. Can you imagine. Yeah. yeah. So he also said, I stuck to those two because I thought it would be more challenging and more fun and more of a statement to what you could do with sampling alone. It is an art form, it is music, you can do different things. It doesn't have to be just what some people call stealing. It can be a lot more than that. I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Mm -hmm. So once he had mined everything from Ringo that he could, 
He had to repeat the process for bass and guitar. Mm-hmm. He then started to edit these samples to make his own beats and then layer under Jay-Z's vocals. What has he said here? For instance, with these handicaps, taking one little Beatles hand clap wasn't going to do it. But if you double it up and move them away from each other so they're doubling up the delay and then take the pitch of it, throw it up in the air, make it higher pitch. I know it sounds all geeky and stuff, but you get a much better sound to it. So he's, he is changing them a fair amount. He's, he's messing up yeah. everything. He's doing... Every trick in the book by the sounds of it. And that to me is, you know, that's not, it's not a cop-out at that point. No. You know, you're not just cutting and copying and pasting. No. You, you are actually working, you are actually making a new thing out of it. Mm-hmm. Which is... Exactly. Yeah. So he also decided to include some longer samples of the Beatles so that people would be able to tell where it come from. I like that. That's, that's yeah. nice. He's like, I'm too good, so people yeah. might not realise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe if he, maybe if he hadn't done that, he could have got away with the whole thing. Maybe. Yeah. I know. But, but he wanted the respect. Yeah. I like that it's not also not just um, here's a song without the vocals and I've put his vocals on top. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what like Collision Course was. Pretty much. You know, it was yeah. just, we've just dropped their vocals and added Jay-Z instead. They, I think they had a different, a, a different aspiration for making Collision Course. Though. Yeah, of course. Of course. Danger Mouse was, uh, was in it for the... The intellectual yeah. challenge. Well, like up until I had listened to it, that's what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just clips of. Oh, really? The, the clips of the Beatles songs ah. without the vocals with Jay Z over it instead. That's why I was like, what's the big deal with this album? But now, now I get it. Obviously. Now you get it. Yeah. Danger Mouse has also said, My whole thing with this was that I didn't want to mess up the Beatles song either. I don't want to disrespect the Beatles. A lot of people thought it was sacrilege in the first place. Well, we know what Beatles fans can be like. Mm. I knew that would be something but I didn't know it was going to be distributed on a wide scale. I knew my friends wouldn't think it was sacrilege, so I just made sure it was something I would dig myself. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he worked nonstop for nearly two weeks before completing the album. He just locked himself in his bedroom and just just did it. Just did it. But we've talked a little bit about, you know, just taking tracks wholesale and then putting some vocals Mm. on the top of it. So let's let's have a chat about what it actually sounds like in comparison to that. We've heard him say he did all this cool stuff, but... Did he? Does what it does sound it mean? Cool? What yeah. does it mean? How does it translate? So, the Grey album was released in February 2004. Um, it's got 12 tracks on it. Oh, the Beatles White album is a double album. So oh, that's got about, surprise. I don't know, 20, 20 yeah, plus tracks on loads. it. And I think the Black album has maybe 14, 15, 16 songs on mm-hmm. it. So he didn't take every single song and make a song out of it. No, of, chose his favourites probably. Chose his favourites, yeah. I think, or the ones that he could get to work, because I'm assuming... Well, if he, yeah, because he was trying to yeah match BPMs and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've I, yeah. So I've listened. I've listened to the whole thing. I've listened to most of it. I think you got through most of it. Yeah. <laughs> it is good. I did enjoy it, and it, you can't tell it's the Beatles. I mean, I don't know the Beatles that well anyway. But um, yeah, you you're not listening to it, picking out. Oh, there's a Beatles song. I know that song. Yeah. I know that song or whatever. So yeah, it was very very clever. I mean, you could. I think going into it when I, since I knew it was like homemade, you can kind of tell it's homemade. Yeah. And you can tell it's also very early in his career. But still, it doesn't take away from the fact that it does sound good. No. It sounds it, professional. It sounds yeah. really good yeah. for what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you can tell it's not been mastered in like some fancy Aye. studio or whatever. Yeah. Some guy did do a remaster of it, apparently. All right, okay. It to SoundCloud. I couldn't find it, but there is a remaster of it out there somewhere. Oh, all right. But yeah, so you can tell it's maybe not the most polished album you've ever ah, listened to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ideas are there and the technique is there. Yeah, that doesn't and take away from it at all. No, it's really quite impressive what he managed to pull off. There's some moments for me where you, 
the the difference was a bit more noticeable. There's a track called Change Clothes, which mm-hmm. is has got um, samples the song uh, Piggies and Dear Prudence, right. and it's got a very kind of harpsichordy sound to it. Oh, right, the okay. Beatles do their harpsichord thing, yeah, every really now like and that, then, yeah. which sounds very kind of baroque and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes for one of the more goofier match, like kind of okay. mashups on the album. Yeah. So there's moments like that where you're kind of like, oh yeah, this this does work, yeah. but it's like it's a bit silly to hear. It feels Jay- like it shouldn't. Jay Z rapping over a harpsichord, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's on the other side of the, that, there's moments where it just absolutely blends perfectly. Oh yeah, like yeah. a couple of like one of my favorite songs on the album is a is moment of clarity, right? Which I just it just absolutely works. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about it. Like if you told me that was a Jay Z song, I go, oh, he's he's used this. He's, I'd be able to tell you that. Oh, he's he's done something different. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. used a, a weird sample or whatever. But I I wouldn't be able to tell you that it's like Jay Z never worked on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it sounds like someone came to him with that beat and they worked on it together and yeah. and put it out as a song. It's really almost impeccable. Just sounds natural. Yeah. So it's difficult for me mm-hmm. because I haven't really listened to an awful lot of Jay Z. Yeah. Uh, and also a lot of those songs I only know from the Collision Course EP anyway. Yeah. I don't really know what they sound like originally. So I, I do think if you're to get like a proper, oh my God, this is how good this is. Mm-hmm. You would probably need to listen to the songs originally to really appreciate how much has changed mm-hmm. and how much has, has really gone into it. Yeah. But again, knowing what's been done and knowing like kind of the history behind it, it is still impressive. You know what I mean? It is still how good it sounds and it does sound natural. Yeah. Is uh, yeah, it's still really good. Well, there's so, one there's one song that you would have heard before, right? Which one? Ninety nine problems. Um. Yeah, I've probably heard the original of that, but yeah. I still think of the, the Linkin Park version. <laughs> uh, the, do you really? Yeah, that's probably the first time I would have heard it. Well, like, uh, 99 Problems is, I think that's probably the first Jay-Z song I ever listened to. Yeah. It's one of his biggest ones. Yeah. And he's put, Danger Mouse has put Helter Skelter underneath that, which is also <laughs> yeah. one of the more popular Beatles songs off of this album. It's mm. like, it's the Beatles song that everyone points to. It's like, that's oh, their most rock song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it works so well. I, like, I did get that far through the album. It yeah. Is good. yeah. It's, he's, instead of using, like, he's got the drum beat in there, which mm-hmm. he's kind of chopped up uh, to, to make something completely different from what's on the Beatles. But the, the main kind of hook of the, the instrumental is that is the bass line in Helter Skelter. Mm. Bass line has this really kind of like, do, 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 do. like it's got this really yeah. distorted bass and he's used that as the like hook of the track. Which oh, yeah. is, it's just really, really cool. I mean... There are more moments that kind of like the song change clothes that don't quite work, but they almost do work in a like funny way, in like a mm. goofy way. There's a song called Dirt Off Your Shoulder, oh, yeah. which it starts out and he kind of plays the, the Beatles sample for you. And then you hear him start to chop it up mm-hmm. and you're like, oh God, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's almost kind of like this whirlwind of like, oh, what is going on? Oh, we're getting to hear some Beatles. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, don't... don't get me wrong, it's impressive, but... I, I might have enjoyed the instrumental on his own without Jay Z rapping over the top of it. Oh, it's yeah, like okay. it's a really impressive what he's done, but yeah. to mix the two, it's like a bit of a yeah, kind it's of a bit too close to the bone. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just it's like discombobulated or whatever you want to call it. You're <laughs> like, ah, oh, what's going on? Yeah. But for every track that doesn't work, there's like three or four that do work. Oh, yeah. The start of the album, I'd say you can kind of hear what he's tried to do, where the the samples are longer, they're less edited, right. Which works. It still works really well. Like the first three or four songs, I think, are all great. But you can definitely hear what songs they're from. 
Yeah. So track number two, what more can I say, is is very recognizably uh, while my guitar gently weeps by the Beatles. It you even get John Lennon singing in it. All right. Okay. As well. So it's like you can. It's de- he's definitely like kind of ah. Here you go. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, encore is very very clearly Glass Onion by the okay. Beatles. But then as the track list goes on, Moment of Clarity, which is my favorite song on the album, I couldn't have told you what that's from. Mm-hmm. Allure. I think I would have had a tough time. Like as it goes on, the, yeah, it gets the, the edits more more. get more and more impressive and more yeah. and more kind of detailed and and intricate. It's it just, falls into the rabbit hole. It's really impressive. It's really impressive. There's a few moments where you go, eh, that's maybe not great there's a there's the song justify my thug where jay-z's obviously got a like a sung vocal from a female in right. his song and danger Mouse has put that in that song but it's the problem with sung vocals is it's in a different key right yeah so okay. it sounds quite dissonant and out yeah. of tune but he's done it and it, it works in an almost oh you're making a weird you're really drawing song. attention to it yeah, yeah. but for most people, I think they would go, "Oh, that's out of tune." Oh, I don't. Oh, yeah. that sounds that sounds wrong for yeah. some reason. Yeah. And there's a there's an interlude called Lucifer Nine, which is just, I think he just tried to make the most nightmarish edits he possibly <laughs> could. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mission achieved, but like, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good listening. <laughs> for most, <laughs> that was a rough patch, was it? I would never be able to do it. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's I think that's you know sometimes the hardest thing is where where do you start. You know? Exactly. But where where do you go? All right. Well, I want to mash up these two albums. How do I how do I do that? I know which song you know? goes with which. Yeah. Like how how do you? Because there's probably so many instances where he sat there and went, "Oh, I just wish that I could get such and such to do such and such." Like I wish that he had thrown in, I don't know, like a crash symbol on its own on its own somewhere, yeah. but you couldn't find one. So what do you do? You know, yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna have to make one. So you you, you, could, you probably could. You could probably make one. Could probably take other noises and make it sound like a crash, which would be fine. But he's that then takes up however long. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're with the band, when you're with them, I mean, I know whenever we record, whoever's recording me always goes right. Can you just hit all the drums on their own for me? Because if there's any bits that you mess up or any bits that we think we can add, we'll have just the a clean the the, the naked hit of that drum. Whereas he won't have any of that, and he can't go and exactly ask Ringo just to go and do me a favour, go and chuck us a sample. Because set up your drums can't. how you did on the White Album. Aye, yeah. Do you remember the White Album? <laughs> oh yeah, all those years ago. Yeah, I need you to do something for me. This is going to sound <laughs> crazy, but yeah. So it's it's just so impressive. What's more impressive is on top of that is that for most of the tracks, there's maybe what one, two, three, four out of the twelve tracks uh-huh. that he's used multiple songs. Oh, yeah. For the for the instrumental. For the other eight, he's used only one song. Yeah. So to yeah, create yeah. everything. Yeah. So it's like even on top of that, oh, I wish he'd just done a crash symbol, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You've got to find all that in one song. In that one tune, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. use what you've got from just the one recording, mm. which is just, ah, it's crazy. Truly quite astounding how he managed to pull it off and how it managed to work so well. Yeah. So should we talk a bit about the the aftermath and what yes. happened with the album? Yes. What did Danger Mouse have to think about his his album once he'd finished it? He he kind of downplays mm-hmm. how good it is. Okay. He's humble. Yeah. He said he was lucky. He said, I was lucky in a lot of ways. If it had been The Who, we wouldn't be here. If it had been LL Cool J, we wouldn't be here. So he but says it's, it's all the Beatles and Jay-Z. Yeah, but it's, I'm so lucky that I chose the right bands. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's a do you think there's a Who and LL Cool J out there somewhere that yeah. he worked on that doesn't sound very good? Maybe and that's he tried why he's done it. that. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere on his like hard drive from like the early two thousands, LL Who J, <laughs> somewhere we should do a petition, release the release the Who cut, release the LL Who J cut. What would the albums be? What's a Who album? Tommy. 
Yeah, fuck it, why not? You could do one with Quadrophenia, maybe. Ah, there's no good, like, mashup name. What are some LL Cool G albums? Bigger and Deafer, Radio, mm. 10, Phenomenon, Walking with a Panther, Authentic, 14 Shots to the Dome. Well, you could do a quick one and Phenomenon and have a quick Phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's getting better than LL Cool J, though. No, well, the name is obviously LL Hooji. Yeah. But you'll have a quick phenomenon by LL Hooji. They didn't mash up the Beatles and Jay-Z's name, did they? Yeah, the Grey album. Oh, they did the albums, yeah. Yeah. The Jaisels? The The (laughs) BJs? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I like the (laughs) Jaisels. The (laughs) Jeezels. So... Why do we know so much about the Grey Album? How did it gain so much notoriety? Because he it? wasn't famous at that point. Exactly, so. he wasn't. He originally, he only made 3,000 CD copies. Only? Only 3,000. Himself. To be fair, he's got mates, you know, he's in the scene. So I he's suppose. like, I'm going to pass him around to my friend. Yeah. Yeah, he li- that's literally all he wanted to do. He put up a small selection for sale on hiphopsite.com. Well, you see, there you go. This is where I think problems have started to occur. Yes. Yes. Which, uh, which apparently sold out very, very quickly. I'm sure. According to his manager. But that, again, also is bizarre. Oh, wait, must, he's, I, but I, I guess hiphopsite.com is maybe, yeah. if, that's, if that was a big name back then, I'm sure And everyone's is. looking for, oh, this mashup thing. Or you're just looking at stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He, he didn't believe he needed to bother about clearing the samples he'd used. So clearing samples is the, the legal process that we talked about earlier yes. of um, agreeing royalties or lump sums payments to original recording artists for... for recordings that you've used okay so he didn't think he needed to bother clearing the samples one because he knew he wouldn't get them cleared and yeah. two because he never thought the album would be heard by by anyone he okay. thought he would just sell those three thousand copies his friends would like it that would be it the gray album is no longer on hiphopsite.com oh is it not also hiphopsite.com looks like it has not changed since 2004 ever <laughs> um so at the top yeah um you got a blog it's time to say goodbye which presumably is, that's them closing it oh, down. It and that like, was in 2015. Oh, they'd lasted quite well um, for them. But what they've got in the deck at the minute, Ooh. this is presumably what they're listening to. Sure. Uh, they're listening to Drake's If You're Reading This Is Too Late. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joy Badass, oh, um, yeah. Ray Sremrund, mm-hmm. and J. Cole. So that's what's in the deck. In the right deck, now. nice, okay. So anyway, yeah, sorry, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, to, he said one of the reasons is he wouldn't be able to afford it. He definitely wouldn't be able to afford it. In 2012, the TV show Mad Men paid $250,000 for a single Beatles song. Fucking Beatles, man. Yeah. So what did he say? So this was an interview with UCLA's Hammer Museum. All I thought when I did it was that it would be a cult underground thing that maybe some people would talk about later on. He said, furthermore, he was more concerned with making a quality project than worrying about copyright law. (laughs) I didn't do it because of copyright laws. I just wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, I rate that. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, no, I like it's that. He's just, just this guy in his bedroom. He's like, he's just, he's just fun. a little guy. I know. He's just a dude. That's it. Yeah. Unfortunately, the quality. I say unfortunately, the quality of the project seemed to catch on, oh, and yeah. uh, more and more co- copies started showing up online. So if only, if imagine he'd only taken a week to do it. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't be here now. We wouldn't be here know? now. Yeah. If he'd done LL Hoo J, wouldn't be here. Well, that's because we're going to do it. So. Yes, okay. Because more and more copies start showing up online, evidently people are just making their own copies because it's like, this is good. We should. Yeah, they're just burning the CDs. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so word began to spread and it kind of snowballed to the point where the New York Times and Rolling Stone both received copies. Oh, no. And then both wrote positive reviews of it. Oh, good. Yeah. 
which but is great. Not also, it's bittersweet. But then also, it's like, yeah, it's ah, why yeah. are you talking about my illegal thing? Yeah, it's bittersweet. <laughs> it got a, a 7.7 in Pitchfork oh, as well. It's doing Pitchfork well. Pitchfork have got their hands on it. This is what they wrote. While the Grey album is truly one of the more interesting pirate mashups ever done, it ultimately fails at the hands of perfectionism, with several pieces sounding rushed to beat some other knucklehead to this clever idea. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. This is a 7.7. Mate, Pitchfork, come on. Additionally, the missing songs and occasionally poor tracking means the project takes a few hits. Still, it's stronger than it ought to be given the disparity between the two artists. As far as raw experimentation goes, it proves dangerous as a wildly imaginative producer. Oh, this song that he made, this album that he made in his bedroom over the course of two weeks has some dings in it. Oh, it's right? got yeah. some poor tracking. Oh, well, I wouldn't have done that if I was making the Cray album. Ah, that's, Shut why we, up, man. that's why we like Pitchfork. Idiots. <laughs> Pitchfork. So they can't they can't help but like see if they gave an album a 9.9 there'd be at least half of it would be about why that point one oh yeah yeah oh, it's like oh, well definitely. it fails here well this is why i dropped at a point and that's the whole review yeah is why i dropped point one percent it was doing so well until, until this point <laughs> this album is so perfect apart from yeah <laughs> oh. they're funny right with this critical appraisal some unwanted attention uh oh. Yeah. Um, the thing Danger Mouse never assumed could happen did happen. EMI, the label that owned the Beatles copyright, sent a cease and desist letter to him. A bit late, but okay. Yeah. There wasn't much Danger Mouse could do, though, because he'd already sold out all of the CDs. Yeah. Well, that means, well that's good because he's not selling them anymore. Yeah, exactly. So he's stopping it's, now. Literally, he couldn't do anything more. Yeah. The album had taken on a life of its own. He's like, exactly. I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I will stop. Yes. But I can't stop other people from copying it, though. There was a reaction to this. Uh, All right. This massive label trying to bully small underground artists... Don't like that. ...also took on a life of its own. Good. ...with the music industry activist group Downhill Battle. Their, their mission is uh, against the oligopoly of Ooh. major labels. What's an oligopoly? Two seconds. I did oh, Like you didn't know I was going to ask what an oligopoly was. Clear it up for an everyone. An oligopoly is a type of market structure that exists within an economy. Okay. In an oligopoly, <laughs> there is a small number of firms that control the market. Right. So it's not a monopoly. Because that would be one. And it's not a polyopoly. Yes, where it's lots. It's an oligopoly, yes. which is a few. The only other word I've heard oligo in front of is gark, the, the prefix. Oligarch. Uh-huh. That's the only ever time I've heard that. Oh. What's an oligarch? It's, it's the thing in Russia. Russia have oligarchs, <laughs> don't they? Right, <laughs> do they? Yeah. Okay we doing this <laughs> i heard an interesting one about the word helicopter oh yeah okay. yeah so what? how would you split up the word heli and copter oh well surely it's heli and copter right it's not the two so <laughs> it's helico and ter so helico as in like a spiral like a helix mm-hmm. because the blades spin in a circle yeah so there's a spiral and it goes up and down like a spiral okay and te- ter as in flying like pterodactyl oh my god that is actually how no that works that's how they made the word yeah. helicopter so that's like ollie Oligo. Yes. So an oligarch is a ruler in an oligarchy. <laughs> <laughs> you, these are the worst definitions you ever... What is this? Or it's a very rich business leader with a great deal of political influence. Okay. Particularly within reference to individuals who benefit from the privatization of the state-run industries after the collapse of the Soviet Union. There we go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. What has that okay. got to do with anything? Not who much. Who knows? Let's find out. So downhill battle. They hate <laughs> oligopolies. <Welcome> they hate <laughs> oligopolies. Okay. So when... EMI were like, we hate you, Danger Mouse. Stop doing your cool thing. Yeah. They were like, whoa, don't pick on this little guy. You can't tell him to do that. So they decided to take action against this unwarranted attack on fair use and copyright laws. Good. 
What they did. They're in, Downhill a, they're Battle. in a muddy puddle. Yeah. But yeah. Downhill Battle organised an electronic civil disobedience event to be held on the 24th of February, 2004, called Grey Tuesday. Yes, oh, like this has it. happened all within a month. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> what is an electronic civil disobedience event? Yeah. Basically, what they wanted is on that go day... To one. I they sound good. Fun. Yeah, they sound good. Yeah, electronic might mean we can't go to it. We could maybe like log on. Oh, right enough. Yeah. yeah. Civil okay. disobedience, we could do that. Oh, we love a bit of civil disobedience, don't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah. We are rapscallions. At Grey Tuesday, on that day, around 170 websites would host the album for free download. Um, (laughs) so what do you think happened dangerous is just sitting in his pants at home like you know what i mean like playing it's not me playing playstation going i haven't touched this project (laughs) since i released it you guys are all doing this for me yeah he's just riding the wave exactly he doesn't even he probably may not even know this is happening i don't know know well he probably has been contacted for well i would like to think but i mean as far as he's concerned he's just sat and spent two weeks doing this he needs to chill out yeah not go on civil disobedience Yes, yeah, so um, so what do you think happened on Grey Tuesday? It's, it, it, where, how many websites hosted it? 170. Yeah, they all crashed. <laughs> They're all done. I don't. It doesn't say whether they crashed or not, but it was downloaded over 100,000 times in a single day. Wow. Good. Can you imagine if um, he'd been charging 9.99 for that on I iTunes? Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a single kind of month or day, Danger Mouse had gone from bedroom producer to rising star in the music <laughs> <Yeah>. industry. <laughs> This yeah. also pissed off EMI. I'm sure. Surprisingly. I'm sure. They they sent out a few more cease and desist, but really they couldn't really keep up with the volume no. of uh, lawlessness. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and they just so they never filed any lawsuits. They just sent cease and desist. So who are they ceasing and desisting? The websites? They probably yeah, the websites okay. were hosting. So see me who's just gone on and downloaded that for free. Yeah. Have I done anything wrong? <sighs> yes, but they're not gonna try and contact 100,000 people. What have I done wrong? You've downloaded an illegal version of a Beatles recording that you didn't pay for. Right, okay. Yeah, you've, you've, you now own music that you didn't pay the rights holders for. But I didn't get an option to pay the rights holder. It was a free download. I know, but you knew the consequences when you <laughs> downloaded it. Right. But they, okay. most, okay. most of the time, people do not go after... This, uh, the, the people pun- who download the punters, it, they, they, yeah. they go after the people who host it, you know. Yeah, all right, okay. It's how our Western nation's drug policies should work. We shouldn't go after the people who use drugs. We should go after the people who yeah. sell and distribute drugs. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works. But that's not what we're here to but talk about. But in the case yeah. of uh, this is, yeah. <laughs> recording okay. industry, they tend to go after the websites rather right. than okay. the people downloading them. That, you know, yeah, it makes but sense. But they do like those ads where it's like, if you have you ever stolen a handbag? Oh, that one of those, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. You wouldn't yeah, you wouldn't download a car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got you. So EMI, they kind of just like went, damn it, we lost. Okay. They, g- they gave up eventually. Good. But what did the artists think about it? I reckon artists, they I loved it. Jay-Z and We've only got Paul McCartney's opinion because Ringo just doesn't really talk about much. No, he was doing uh, Thomas Tank Engine. He was. He was busy. Jay-Z, in an interview with NPR in 2010, said this. He was asked by his interviewer, who was named Gross, which is an unfortunate name. Yeah. Uh, So Gross said, how do you feel about it musically? How do you feel about the fact that he did it? Jay-Z said, I think it's a really strong album. I champion any form of creativity, and that was a genius idea to do it. And it sparked so many others like it. There are other ones that, you know, it's really good. Oh, and there are other ones that are, because of the blueprints that set by him, that I think are a little bit better. But, you know, him being first and having the idea, I thought it was genius. Yeah, I told you. I knew you'd like it. Gross said, did you feel ripped off by the fact that he used your music on it without paying for it? Or do you think it doesn't matter? It's really good art. 
Daisy said, no, I was actually honoured that, you know, someone took the time to mash those records up with the Beatles records. I was honoured to be on, you know, quote unquote, the same song with the Beatles. I guess that is quite a cool way of thinking about it. Yeah. And even Paul McCartney was on board as well. Oh, I knew it. What did he say? He said this in a BBC Radio 1 interview. I didn't mind when something like that happened with the Grey album, but the record company minded. They put up a fuss. It was like, take it easy, guys. It's a tribute. Yeah. Um, he also likened it uh, later on in the interview to what the Beatles did with their early career and like soul music. Yeah, they, totally. They yeah, they just took and ideas did, yeah. and yeah. well, everyone was doing that, yeah. you know, back then. So everyone's pretty chill about it, which is good. good. Okay. Yeah. No well, one, I like that. Yeah. But good. again, it's a little bit like uh, the Verve with their Bear Sweet Symphony and who was it? Guns the Rolling and, Stones. Yeah, uh, Rolling Stones. Who do I always say it? I don't. I never say it's the Rolling Stones. I always say it's someone else. You're about to say Guns and Roses there. I was going to say Guns and Roses, but I usually say someone else. The record label was like, no, you can't have that. We're taking all the money. Yeah. And then as soon as someone else owned it, he was like, I don't give a shit. And like, yeah, music you have crack it, yeah. on. Like yeah. musicians don't care. The no. people, the people who want to keep their pockets nice yeah. and fat, they care. Exactly. But musicians never care. No, if they can see you've put in the like smallest amount of effort into yeah. it, they're like, ah, fair play. Oh, that's good. But yeah. if you're clearly just ripping people off, that's yes, different. There's a difference. But that's not what Danger Mouse was doing. He was actually changing along a lot of stuff. Yeah, okay, fine. He just took Jay Z's vocals, but Jay Z deliberately released a cappella versions of the albums. For that exact reason. That's literally why he did that. I know. And then it's like, did you feel ripped off? He's like, no, I, I did it myself. <laughs> I literally gave him the, the yeah. tools to do it. Yeah, I know. It's funny. Yeah. Like, if there's any ripping off at all, it's ri you've ripped off the Beatles. Mm. That's, that's maybe the only bit that you've ripped off. But even then, you've changed it so much like you're I mean, also not really. Like we them said, off. it's like unrecognizable. In some exactly. Parts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I know. So the album blew up and Dan Danger Mouse became an in-demand producer. Of course. The first person to give him a call was actually Damon Albarn. Oh, yeah. Um, he's the singer in Blur. But mm -hmm. at this point, he was working on his other project, Gorillaz. Oh, nice. So he he contacted Danger Mouse and asked him pr to produce Gorillaz's second album, which is called Demon Days. That is ringing a bell for me. <laughs> I think songs, that's quite a popular album, isn't such it? Such as Feel Good Inc., Dirty Harry, Dare. Yeah. It's been labelled an iconic, classic, timeless, <laughs> modern masterpiece. But yeah, so Demon Days came out in 2005, like May. Yeah, so immediately after. So pretty was, much he's like, yeah. yeah, do you want to come work on this? Ah, oh, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, that's quite cool. I like um, that. Can you guess which uh, record label owns the record label that Gorillaz were signed to? Uh, unfortunately, yes, because I read the notes previous to this episode. Yes. Um, it's Warner. No, what? it's EMI, oh, baby. The irony. You're working for him now. Do you think, do you think he like walked in and they'll just give him stink eye, like oh, <laughs> fucking dangerous? Like, and he's like, oh, hi guys. He's like, Little LOL. Don't worry, am. I'm gonna make you a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, in the space of a year, he's been he's gone from getting told to piss off, yeah, and getting almost sued. To yeah, exactly. To producing one of the biggest, one of the label's biggest releases of the year, if not like ever, the decade. <laughs> Yeah, I think all is probably forgiven by that point. I know. Perhaps. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. You're good. And now look at him. Yeah, I know. He's, he's only know, gone The Grey up album up was up made in a bedroom for two in, in two weeks and is, yeah. is now the reason that Danger Mouse is... Is Danger Mouse. A household name. Yeah. For us. That's, it is wild. And, I mean, and, and it also gave mashup albums a boost. Most of those ones that I listed at the start were all kind of late 2000s, so they came after 2004. Yeah. It's probably most likely due to the success of the Grey album. I we mean, can't say that for sure, but like, surely that's got to be a massive influence on these people. Like, being like, oh wow, yeah. you can actually do that. Yeah. But they're like, oh, we can actually do that, and we have money and studios and stuff, so we'll do it properly. Mm -hmm. And now 
yeah. no one talks about all those other albums, but they still talk about the great albums. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and and the biggest mashup album of all time that we've not even had a chance to talk about yet. You know, MTV had its own mashup show at this point. Like, oh, okay. That's how big of a thing this was yeah. becoming. And in late 2004, MTV reached out to Jay-Z and mm-hmm. were like, do you want to choose an artist yeah. to do a mashup album with? And he settled on Linkin Park. He reached yeah. out to Mike Shinoda from Linkin mm-hmm. Park. They began to work on some tracks and realized it would work better if they re-performed some of it. Oh, yeah. So Jay-Z's actually redone all of his raps oh, okay. on Collision Course. Yeah, you can the- notice... Little some little bits yeah, yeah. so uh, basically to so that the instrumentals he he can i don't know accent his vocals mm-hmm. better to the instrumental right to i don't know fuse the songs together better mm-hmm. i mean cool. danger mouse was so good that he didn't need to do that, didn't need to do that. that. um but yeah then as we've talked about collision course ep came out it's the one of the most successful mashup albums of all time it was in the billboard top 10 for a month it was number <laughs> one for one of those weeks it went on to be a certified double platinum by the Recording Association of America. That is wild. It wasn't quite the critical hit that the Grey album was. No, not quite. Um, but who cares when you sell that many records, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, no, <laughs> not them. <laughs> they basically took the same principle, did it with less yeah. innovation and for more commercial reasons. And more and legally. To dwarf the original. Yeah. yeah, but still. But it did win a Grammy. Hey! And, um, so it's legitimate. So there's that. And, and when they performed their song at the Grammys, which mm-hmm. I think you referenced earlier on... Uh, I don't know if it was the... I didn't watch a Grammy performance. Oh, did you not? No, it wasn't a Grammy. Right, but they, they performed it together, okay. Daisy and Linkin Park at the and Grammys. Guess who joined them on stage? It's got to be Beyonce. It was Paul McCartney. Oh, why? Why do you <laughs> think? Because seven months earlier, oh, there was well, this massive album where Jay-Z and the Beatles were mixed together. That surely has to be... But what did he do? Oh, it's, it's so did bad. Did he just stand there No, do, do you know what happens? Is halfway through the song, the song, it goes a bit weird, right? And then all of a sudden, this guy walks out from the shadows and goes, Yesterday, <laughs> all my troubles are... <laughs> it's so oh. bad. Wait, oh, so they've mashed, mashed, mashed yeah. up. They tripled, yeah, they, yeah, they did triple a triple mashup. Yeah, it's really bad. Oh, Let's see if I can... Suddenly... What did you think? Um, yeah, Paul McCartney had no idea what oh, he was doing it's there. Just brilliant. It's he, just brilliant. He, he, he has been contacted. He's gone, Paul, we've got this, um, we've got a gig for you. It's the Grammys. And he's like, oh, amazing. Great. Well, you know, who should I get in touch with? And who should I, no, 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 it's just you. You're going to be joining uh, Jay-Z in Lincoln Park. Yeah. And you're just going to sing a couple of verses from yesterday. <laughs> uh, and he came out and he had no idea why he was, why he agreed to that. Yeah. That was it was quite uncomfortable. That was brilliant. I just, I mean, obviously Jay-Z's not got much to do whilst the yesterday Oh, he had going plenty on. to do. But it's just he in between every stuff. line. It's just, you uh, know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All my troubles seem so far away. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's go. Uh, yeah. That just, yeah, that was uncomfortable. So that, I think Very that's bizarre. where uh, mashups kind of, um, that was the downfall. <laughs> it didn't last long, clearly. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that was really strange. Pioneered it whatever did the best thing ever and then you know seven months later you're you're at the grammys yeah. with paul mccartney yeah so paul mccartney helped create the phenomenon and, and then was then there to end the, it yes, yes yeah okay that was kind of the only major success of the mashup album scene 
the Grey Album and Collision yeah. course. Yeah. And after that, it's just been relegated to SoundCloud producers mixing Kendrick Lamar and the Mario soundtracks. It's okay, like, well, fine. I want to hear that. You but know, it's, it's not exactly like it's... I do want... Is that a real thing? Did you just make oh, that Oh, that's, that's a real thing. Oh, okay, good, because I do want to hear it. Well, that. you can hear it, but it's it's not exactly... It's a, ta- it's a tad more on the gimmicky side. Yes, that's true. I mean, yeah. you never know. It might be musical genius, but... But also, it is a good starting point for a lot of people. The Mario soundtrack. No, just mashups oh, mash in general. Albums. I don't mean like starting with the Mario soundtrack and adding, <laughs> and adding someone else. I mean like, let's, you know, let's have... You know, oh, let's for just sure. pick two things and yeah. let me see what I can do with it. You know, and then they get good and they probably learn stuff along the way and they go, right, now I want to do it now in I a can, more professional you know, kind I need of way, to make so. a beat for someone, then I know yeah. like And I know how to chop stuff up and make it into yeah, a beat. Yeah. Exactly. You know all the pitfalls, all the like, oh that doesn't sound so good. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, um, yeah. You also need to write your your tag your, I mean, you know, at the start of every SoundCloud rapper and it was like for sure. another Miads production. <laughs> 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 Yeah. And then the song starts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh yeah, but I mean any in any case, that was Danger Mouse did it. He was the Pioneer. No one in the mashups he never quite hit the heights of critical praise and record label ire. That's it. Career making genius that he did. He mm. created and topped his own scene. Good. That's it. That's all that's 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 it. That's the story. He's Hello. now he's now Danger Mouse. Is he a criminal? No. No. Not a criminal. He's, too, he's criminally good. Criminally, oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> it's, good for I, you, Danger I, I think we should we should definitely come back to some of those mashup albums at some point, though. That Kleptones one, the, from what I listen to it, is just insane. Yeah, I'm sure. So if, yeah. we're, ever, if, we're, ever, if we're ever bored and we ever find ourselves without a topic for, <laughs> yeah. for a week, we're just yeah. like, should we review this? Review, review an album. Yeah. And it's only terrible mashup albums that we review. Yeah. We only review the worst of the worst. Or if here, someone eh? else has a, a weird mashup album they've come across yeah. in their time. Aye, fire us some mashup albums to listen yes. to if you know any, for exactly. sure. But yes, we've we've finished the main topic. Should we do some questions? Yeah. So um if you didn't listen to what what was the what was it called? Here comes It was Beforch. I are yeah. we okay with are you We're okay with that? us calling it Beforch? Because that's kind of what we've I, been referring uh, to. Un- it. I un- ironically I think it's funny. Uh, unironically, I'm scared that it grows arms and legs and becomes Beforch. Beforch. Um, so maybe... I mean, to be fair, whenever maybe we... we t- don't speak it before. Whenever we talk about it, we say batch four. Batch four, but when we rate it, we'll rate... Beforch. Eforch, because it's... Funny. And then everyone can have a Fant Four stick laugh. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll make a logo that's got the Fantastic Four number. <laughs> yeah, but it's four, just batch but it's four. Batch four. <laughs> I like that. Maybe yeah. I'll go do that when I go home. Um, so yeah, so if you didn't listen to the, the Beforch one, we would like for you to... Send us some just questions on anything. Just what what do you want to discuss? Do you want to, you know, we're not like an agony aunt kind of send us your problems, but like let's look at some, let's talk about some interesting stuff. It doesn't exactly. have to be music related, but it would be nice if it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but you already got one. We already got one in. Yeah, Rhonda's emailed in. Oh, Rhonda's emailed in and she just wants her opinion on something. Yeah, it was a news story, right? It's a news article from Kent Online. Ooh, okay. Uh, the headline is Horrified Christians Protest Outside Canterbury Cathedral Over Absurd Silent Disco. <laughs> Are they really horrified about a silent disco? Oh, we'll soon find out. <laughs> Basically, it seems as if what's happened is the church kind of gone out and thought, what do we need to get young people into the into the church? Yeah, yeah. What do we, I guess. Yeah. So apparently the quote is, uh, church leaders say that they need to reach out to younger people and find ways of raising the large sums the cathedral requires to survive. 
Okay, yeah. But critics of tonight's event say that they do not want an alcohol fueled rave to the music of Eminem in God's house. Um, Have they we've been to actually, a rave? we've done a silent disco before. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's just a disco, but everyone's wearing headphones. Yeah, exactly. So not only God can't hear it. Yeah, God can't hear it, but also neither can any of the neighbors. Yeah. It's, it's like the best. It's the best way that yeah. you can gather a large amount of people together to have a rave. And also the acoustics in that place probably wouldn't suit rave no, music. No, it would be awful. Oh, it would be terrible. So silent disco is the best option. Also, Eminem's not really rave music. They need to get their facts straight there. Well, Eminem's not rave music, no. Mm. So apparently speaking to Kent Online, protester Tom Alberto said the cathedral is the very birthplace of Christianity. That cathedral is, is it? Apparently. <laughs> he has clearly never heard of... Palestine, but know, you know, or, look, uh, every look, other, whatever. Yeah. Okay, you know, if that's the very birthplace. He said Saint Augustine landed here almost one thousand five hundred years ago. Is going to see a rave inside there tonight. Alcohol is going to be served, and music is the very opposite of holy. It's profane. It is going to be played, and frankly, I was quite horrified to see the Church of England, the Dean of the Cathedral, and the Archbishop were giving the okay on this. <laughs> Why is it unholy? I don't, I don't know. It, I mean, uh, maybe it's, it's music you don't like. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would be very surprised if there was any religious slander in any of the songs that they played. Exactly. Um, yeah, I would maybe be there's very a bit surprised. Of bad language or whatever. Maybe bad language, but I mean, it, it seems like a very fifties, um, sixties response to that. Yeah. I don't know why we haven't managed to get past the fact that yeah, music may not be what you like, but it doesn't mean it's anti-religion. Yeah. So yeah. the the protesters were. Um, out front singing several well and lesser known hymns. They were just singing some hymns. Uh, speaking earlier this week, Dr. Swaronsky told Kent Online, while disrespectful, well respectful, sorry, of our right to protest, the Dean was dismissive of our petition, stating that we were an extreme minority for not wanting an alcohol-fueled rave to the music of Eminem in God's house. Uh, Dr. Monteith was convinced with no evidence uh, that the majority of Christians would support the disco and our petition and reason arguments could not change his mind. So he argued that no other religion would consider using a sacred building in this way. Discos and parties are thing, uh, and things are absolutely great, but all in their proper place. It is all well and good in a nightclub, but Canterbury Cathedral was not built for this. It, it's an unprecedented way to use this sacred place, and it looks like more cathedrals will be used this way. But Canterbury is the most important of them all. It's not going to make younger people take church more seriously it's not going to make people think Christians take their faith seriously. No other religion would do this, and, and it's not effective evangelism. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it... No, I mean, I don't agree with anything that that guy said, but yeah. it depends. Yeah, I don't know if going to a silent disco in a cathedral is a good way to convert people other than... No, I like, don't think so. Oh, we're in it. Otherwise, they now, they now know where it is. Yeah, maybe. maybe. They might not have before. I've just been here this whole time. Oh, this is, yeah... But I mean, what, um, so what, are you going to protest when the church closes down, has to go up for sale and someone buys it and turns it into a nightclub? Are you going to protest then? Yeah. Because guess what? You obviously didn't do anything to help. Well, you might have raised money for it, but you might not have raised mm. enough. Cathedral's a good name for a nightclub. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> the, it's like in Perth, there's church. Yeah, well, there, there was go. church in Perth. Was there? Um, closed down. The, Did they not get enough money from the evangelical? Oh, no, it was a venue. It already didn't get enough money. <laughs> <laughs> and had to be a venue. Inverness has the mustard seed. That's a restaurant in a church. Oh, very good. Can't wow, food in the house of God. Oh, what are you doing? If it's not bread and crackers. Yeah. But also do they not drink wine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alcohol fueled. But they drink wine. 
Our thoughts on that? It's a it just let them live. Let them crack yeah, on. I don't see why it's it's I, and he's like, Oh other religions wouldn't do that. Okay. Who cares? Well go and join them then. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, just go and join one of them. Yeah. Like you think they're all going to hell anyway. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, what does go it matter what they them. do? Just go and pick one of them if you, don't, don't if you don't want to. That's bizarre. That oh, is we've gone into politics and religion on this episode. Oh, we can't be doing that. So we've got another question here from Martin. Martin's um, said that he knows how much we appreciate Pitchfork and what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's asked us to weigh in on their choice of the 2023 best album as oh. the Pitchfork writers. Uh-huh. And I think I know why he's <laughs> he's chosen to ask us about it. Okay. Right, because... So Pitchfork every year, they put out their top 50 Mm-hmm. best albums of the year whatever yeah and it's like an aggregate of all of the writers they all choose okay. their top albums and then it's the one that has the most highest on most lists you know that kind oh, of okay. way okay. 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 i know you love it pitchfork's best album of the year was sos by scissor mm. i very, don't think i've heard it very popular album it was yeah billions um, of streams on yeah kill bill and all that kill bill i didn't really like that so much. it's it's fair it's a very popular album pitchforker aren't known for choosing super popular albums in their number what was one number two caroline politic oh, okay so they're doing they're doing better these days a lot of the times they would choose kind of very out their albums they've chosen well yeah i think what was probably the issue that we were supposed to talk about was this oh yeah it didn't come <laughs> it didn't come out in 2023 it came in 2022 yeah all right end of 2022 so maybe they're doing financial year <laughs> So, I know, but it's just like. But even then, it wouldn't even be the financial year. They reviewed it in December 2022, though, so it's like. So they're aware that it came out. Yeah, they know it came out in 2022. So it's technically, just, the number two album is their actual number one of 2023. Exactly. I don't know. I don't get that why. Is why? I don't know. I don't know if it's because of the news cycle or whatever, and they want to be out before Christmas. So it's like they can't put their best of 2023. In, oh out well, I guess at the end of yeah. the year when everything's actually come out. Yeah. But sure. yeah, and I get that albums take a wee while to to you know you can't just listen to, to something to and get, go that's the gain, best of the year. Yeah, they need to gain traction, gain steam, and. But know. I don't know. It feels like a that little sneaky strange. Yeah, move, that's quite like, funny. Of you know, you get you get included in this. Oh, I was in the album of best albums of twenty twenty three. Who did I lose out to? No, an one. album from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I think they would understand that though as well because you know you really you, it's like the Grammys, isn't it? Because the Grammys are about a year behind. Yeah, they do October to October. Yeah. So maybe it's maybe they do October to October as well. I don't know. It just feels they're on they're on Grammy time. I made sure I didn't put any twenty twenty two albums in my twenty twenty three. So I feel you, like Pitchfork need to. We've already established that we try a bit harder than Pitchfork seem to try. We do. Yeah. yeah. So you're you're okay with it as long as it's. I don't mind. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I can understand okay. why they've done that. Fair enough. Yeah, I think we give them a little bit of a leeway. But um, thank you for everyone's questions. Yeah, that was keep cool. them coming. Yes, that's going to be our new thing, questions. Maybe we should come up with a jingle. Should we have a questions jingle? You can, you can make one up. Should we both sing questions in a weird way and then I'll have to make a jingle to it? Mm, that sounds difficult, but if you want to. Three, two, one. Questions. questions. Yeah. Ooh, okay. yeah. <laughs> cool. So Good luck with that. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to sound bad. Isolate vocals. And this is why we don't rap. We should have rapped it. Oh, God. <laughs> Acapella style. Yeah. No, we will not be doing that. But yes, so uh, what what are we doing next time? I don't know. It's Can't the remember. Uh, podcast formerly known as Miads. Oh, it is. Artists who have changed their name. And why? Yes. Why did they do that? But there might also be a little special episode in between then. So keep an eye out for that. So cool. 
Thank you very much for listening, guys. Yeah. We appreciate um, it. Make sure to follow us on social media so that you don't miss out. And follow us on wherever you get your podcast. Yes, that would be great. So we will see you next time for the podcast, formerly known as Mian. We'll see you then. Yeah.